Psalm 34. And we'll read here from verse 8 to 10. And if you would stand with me and we'll read it all together. Psalm 34, 8 to 10. Let's read it together. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Amen. And you may be seated and I shall pray. And I'm going to ask you a question right after. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you, Lord, for everyone that is here. And uh, indeed, Lord, we want to learn to trust in you every, in everything we say and we do. And just throughout life, uh, we can't do the Christian life without you. We pray, Father, that uh, you would teach the lessons that you've taught David through this psalm. And we pray that uh, you would work in us throughout this uh, message and throughout the rest of our days. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, have you ever gone to a restaurant and, you know, you, you're looking at the menu? You look at the menu and you see something that catches your eye. Now, this is something that you'd never ordered before, but you thought, you know, you're going to be adventurous today. So, you decided you would order that thing, and then you realized man, this tastes nothing like what it was described, or it looks nothing like the picture was showing, <laughs> right? Um, I want to do a small little experiment with you. Now, I don't know how you're going to take this. This is a box with uh, jelly bellies. Now, I'd like you all to take one, but don't look at it. Look at what you get. And... Uh, you know, don't put it in your mouth until I say three. Okay? So, Theo, we'll start with you. Grab, grab a jelly belly. Don't look at what you grab. Here you go. And Ivan, and then pass it, pass it behind you. Don't look at what you take. Don't look at the color. All right? Now, you know the things about Jelly Belly is that uh, there's, what is it, 150 different flavors, is it? And some flavors are really good tasting, and some flavors are horrible tasting. Now, what are the chances that you can trust what you're about to taste? Right? It's a one out of 150, I guess, if it's 150 flavors. Now, what are the chances that you know exactly what you've gotten? All right. Everyone have one? Or everyone who wants to participate have one? Okay. Now, at the count of three, taste your jelly belly. Ready? One, two, three. Sorry, JR, you'll have to, you know, guess or imagine you're trying one. All right. Does it taste like what you imagined? Yeah? Sweet. At least sweet, right? At the end. Uh, yeah, Brother Rob's like, yeah, no, no. Now, here's the thing. God's children always make it through when they trust God. How much do you trust God? Now, this psalm, it's written by David. 
And it's written from a perspective of someone who knows God and from the perspective of someone who had placed his trust in God for a long time. Now, of course, we say, oh, yeah, of course it was David. David, of course, would trust God. But why can't that be said about us all the time? When we look at our life, of course we trusted God in something. Can it be said that whatever issue and trouble that comes in our life, that we would easily trust God for it? If we were to ask you, um, what would prevent you from trusting God in a certain situation? How, how long would that list be? Be honest with yourself. Go, go through mentally. Have you ever been in a situation where you thought, I can't trust God in this situation? Do your trials prevent you from trusting God? And here in the, the psalmist here, he promises you that come what may, just like the first time you trusted God, God will always come through. And that's the, that's the promise that David is trying to show. David talks about how to trust God in three verses. Now, obviously, there's much more in this psalm. But in these three verses, we see also three indicators. Three indicators of a healthy trust in God. These three indicators have to be present in order for us to trust God. So I'm going to talk about the first indicator. That is the taste, right? And that's what I tried to illustrate for you, the taste. Now, chances are you got a jelly belly that you really didn't like. And some of you might have gotten a jelly belly that you really liked. When I was researching this, the sense of taste, they say that taste is something that you can get used to and start liking the more and more you expose yourself to it, the more and more you taste. Who here has ever heard of the name Andrew Zimmern? Andrew Zimmern? The show Bizarre Foods, where he goes all around the world and tries all these weird foods. He wrote a really special article. He said, a lot of times people ask me how to acquire a taste because they want to learn how to like kale. Or even more commonly, they want to find out how to get their kids to like healthy foods. The truth is that we're not genetically predisposed to dislike certain foods. That's good to know. In fact, we're predisposed to like the majority of them. The problem comes with the, with the messages our culture gives us about certain foods. So our culture somewhat determines how we like our foods. I tend to believe that. Now, in the same article, it went on to mention a study that was done in 2010 where they had a bunch of kids in a control room and they asked the kids to list what are the foods they don't like. And then they fed those foods to the kids. And what they noticed is that eight or 10 times they would feed the kids that same food that they disliked. And after the eighth or 10th time, the kids started to like the food. Isn't that interesting? So similarly to what Andrew Zimmern was saying, our culture today doesn't really gear us to trust God. A lot of times our culture, or the world I should say, tries to teach us to stop trusting God and put your trust in yourself often. But honestly, the taste of the Lord is good. 
Remember the day that you first got saved. When you first got saved, there were burdens that were lifted. You were part of the family of God. There was a peace and there was a joy and you felt blessing after blessing. Why? Because for the first time in your life, you've tasted God for the first time. But how is it that a Christian, or I, should, can, I can even say a Bible college student, loses that taste? How is it that we can lose that appetite? Oftentimes, we forget how it tasted. I think, oftentimes, we expose ourselves too much to the world, and then our tastes are changed. David is showing us here that there is an imperative. Look here in verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So he's saying there is an imperative. It's a command to taste. It's a command to see that the Lord is good. When you find out that, when you first found out that you could come to be PWBC, or when you first found out that you can be part of a ministry in a church, you might have felt nervous. You might have felt anxious, but you started to notice that God was starting to bless you in parts of your life. When you made a decision that was faith-based, you saw that the Lord was in it, and you noticed that there were more and more blessings and that God was good. Your countenance showed it, and you started singing hymns, and you started singing Christian songs. It's normal that somebody who has tasted the Lord is singing throughout their daily life. You know, it's normal for them to be smiling here and there. And they looked forward to going to Sunday school. They looked forward to going to Sunday services and Wednesday services. It was something enjoyable. The world around us, it wants to stop that appetite that you have. It wants to stop that trust you would have in the Lord. The usual reason why most Christians don't want to taste God after a certain amount of time is because they'd expose themselves usually to too much of the worldly things and the worldly tastes. And then all of a sudden, the taste of the Lord is lost. They have no more appetite for the word of God. And now it's even natural, I want to say, for all of you Bible college students, to lose an appetite for the Lord because at some point you start looking at your Bible reading as just another requirement. And then you forget that, oh, I'm not just supposed to be eating. I'm supposed to be tasting. And I want to really dive into that word there, tasting. I don't know if you've ever taste, went to a tasting um, Experience. There are these experiences called tasting experiences. There, when you're tasting coffee, this is how they do it. They have a small glass, and then they have the coffee brewed. And Pastor Tim, you, you remember this. You're only supposed to take a little bit. Okay, so they, you take a little bit of the coffee, and then you take a small, uh, small sip, you're not supposed to drink it right away. Then you're supposed to inhale. <laughs> and then taste it a little. Swish it around in your mouth. And then you sip it. And you think about the notes a little. 
and then you n take down what you, what you tasted. Some people say, ah, I felt a little bit of notes of cocoa. I felt a little bit of tanginess, a little bit of earthiness in that coffee. Then you take a second sip of the same exact brew and you do the same thing again. And I think this is what the Lord means when we say, when he said, taste. Because oftentimes we read the Bible, but we don't really taste it. When we go through your, when you go through your Bible, I want to challenge you to try and actually taste it. You see a verse that comes out to you, dwell on it, look at the verses around it. Look at the chapter before it before and after it and see what the Lord is trying to show you. Take some notes down and learn to taste the Lord. And I promise you that as you keep tasting and tasting and tasting, the appetite will only grow bigger and bigger and bigger when it comes to tasting the Lord and trusting God. Get back into Bible reading and really taste your Bible reading. Really feel it, okay? Second indicator. Second indicator is the fear. And we see it here in verse number nine. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. It is good to have a fear of God. To have a good, healthy fear of God, it means that you understand his vast greatness and his power, and his holiness. And when you love a person, you will have a healthy fear for them also. When a man loves their wife, they won't be careless with their words, knowing full well that the wrong words could lead to the wrong message. Let me give you a second illustration. No nuclear physicist dare play around with uranium fuel rods because they understand the power that a simple uranium rod contains within it. You can't play around with this stuff. The fear of the Lord is very similar. You understand the power that God contains. It's said that a fuel pellet, a uranium pellet, is about this big, but it contains, it contains as much energy as a ton, one ton of coal. That's immense power. But God is even greater. Therefore, watch what you do before the Lord. The fear of the Lord is necessary to trust God. A good fear of God will lead to humility. You cannot say of a prideful man that they fear God. Because God resisted the proud and giveth grace to the humble. If you would turn with me to Psalm 30, oh no, you're, you're already there. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints. Verse 9, oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. See, the idea is that those who fear God will not fear the things of this world. Because when you fear God, there is nothing else greater to fear. You can be sure that you will have nothing to fear because God will take care of you. The trust you place in God is not only meant to be for the future, but it's also meant for the present, what's happening right then and there. God isn't only going to take care of your future eternity, but also will take care of your present necessities. 
you don't have to live your life thinking, oh, God led me here to Bible college, but now I have to do everything I can to pay off my bills. No, you can trust God for those too. You don't have to just do, your, do all these things on your own. No, the promise is that you can trust him now and later to take care of your needs. When you fear God, you don't need to worry about your grades in school either. Because a healthy fear will give you the necessary grades. Now you may be asking yourself, well, aren't we supposed to be the, do the best we can in Bible college and all that? Yeah, yeah, we are, right? Yeah, we are. But you see, of course you're supposed to do the best you can in school. But not only in school, in all parts of life. Because that is required of us anyway. As a Christian, it's still required of us. If you turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, keep your finger there, but Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Chapter 3 and verse 23, it says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. If you fear the Lord, then you understand that God requires that you, no matter what, do your best. It doesn't matter if you're in school or out of school. When you do anything in life, it is as if you were ministering to the Lord. It ought to put a fear in you. That God is watching. That one day he's going to judge you too. That one day you will have to give an account for every action, every thought you've ever had in life. So make sure that every action you're taking is done to the best. Therefore your grades will align itself necessarily. Can you imagine a servant that is part of the king's court? That if they dared never make the best food, if they dare not give the best service to a king, if they did it haphazardly, they would get kicked out. We have the illustration of Nehemiah, right? He, all he had was a bad countenance. He had a sad countenance. And then King Artaxerxes was like, what's wrong with you? Are you okay? And Nehemiah, he was scared for his life. <laughs> that ought to show what type of fear we ought to have as well as Christians because we stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, right? Proverbs 22 verse 29, seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before Kings. He shall not stand before mean men. So have a healthy fear of God and that fear of God would necessarily bring your best out as well. Having a good fear of the Lord will bring out the best as well. This will indicate to you if you have a good trust in the Lord. So those are the sec that's the second indicator. Now let's go to the third indicator. The third indicator is growing. And we see it in verse 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Those who are seeking to do God's will are the ones that will have a growing trust. And you're asking yourself, how did you get that out of that verse? Well, here, <laughs> I'm going to show you. Um, the interesting thing about the lions here in this verse, it talks about the lion. 
the young lions do lack and suffer hunger. Uh, when I looked up the lions, most lions, they live in arid and des desert climates. And what was very interesting about them is that they're called obligate carnivores. Now that's just a fancy way of saying they only eat meat. So uh, you can't trick them with uh, beyond meat stuff. You know, you can't trick them with vegetarian type diets that, are, that look like meat because their stomachs know. And if they, try, if they eat any kind of like veg, vegetation or something, apparently they would throw up. So lions only eat meat, but it's also recorded that most lions scavenge for their meat and 50%, uh, up to 50% of their meat is acquired by scavenging, which means some other creature had passed away or uh, you know, some other creature had left its food there and then the lions happened to find it. And that's apparently how 50% of the time they get they fulfill their diet. How much is their diet? 30, uh, sorry, 50 to 300 kilograms of meat every day. Which is insane. So I'm thinking, well, that's quite a lot. So this verse is showing us that these little lions, who by the way, they can't hunt, have to let their parents bring the food to them, right? The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. And that's how it is in the animal kingdom. But they will suffer hunger. But the ones that seek the Lord are the ones that will not go wanting. You know that it is a daily thing to seek the Lord's will. It's a daily thing you have to do every single day. Every day you need to be asking yourself, Lord, what wouldst thou have me to do? What is your will for me today? You can't just wait for it to come. You can't just wait for it to come and feed you. You need to seek after it every single day. When you come to college, make sure that those are the thoughts that you're thinking. Make sure that you're asking yourself, Lord, what wouldst thou have me to do? You're in Bible college and you're listening to your instructor, but always be asking yourself, Lord, what wouldst thou have me to do? as they're teaching their instructions, as they're teaching the doctrines in doctrines class, it ought to stir you to action. When you hear about the depravity of man, it ought to stir you to reach the lost. Ask yourself, what wouldst thou have me to do? When you hear of an opportunity opening up in church for a way to ministry, to do ministry, ask yourself, Lord, would you have me to do that? Ask yourself those. Don't let the opportunities to serve God get wasted. Because as time gets further and further, as these days are getting worse and worse, your opportunities are only going to get slimmer and slimmer to serve God. And it's going to get harder and harder. So I propose that you start now to do the best you can. So I'm going to conclude here. All these things are indicators of a good and healthy trust in the Lord. Now, there are much more. 
uh, the whole psalm has many other indicators, and David really uh, puts it out. I just gave you three great indicators as primers. So the first, when you taste God every day, moment by moment, you just have a growing and growing appetite for more. And that will help you trust in God more and more every day. Number two, when you have a good fear of God and everything you do in life is fueled by this fear to want to do your best, it will help you to trust God to want to do more. And number three, when you're in, uh, a good indicator is when you are in a mode of wanting to constantly seek the Lord's will daily. So as I was going over this small message, perhaps in your mind you're thinking, well, I, I lack one of those indicators, or I want, to, I want to seek after one of those indicators. Maybe first you could start with the first one. Maybe you're already doing it. Then you can move on to the second one, the fear of the Lord, and then perhaps you can move on to the third one if you've already got that second one down. But that is the promise we see in verse 8, that once you get all these indicators down, that you will be blessed. In verse 8 here, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. You will be blessed. Amen. Closing prayer. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for today, and I thank you for the attention of everyone. And I pray, Father, that uh, we'd be able to apply this in our lives, to keep trusting in you. And Lord, if there is anyone who has, um, who has felt your leading in something, Lord, in one of these areas, perhaps it's the fear, uh, perhaps it's just needing to read our, read our Bibles and tasting and really studying you out or just simply seeking your will every single day. I pray, Father, that uh, we'd all be uh, in those modes where we're trying to always seek after you and wanting to do your will, always seeking to do more, and always having that fear of you. I pray, Lord, that you would bless everyone here and the remainder of this day, and we thank you and praise you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.